0: Welcome to Courageous Conversations, with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today.
1: What it is, Brad Lee, back again with another episode of Dropping Bombs, and as always, folks, today I got a real treat for you. Richard Dolan in the house. What's happening, my
2: man? We finally did it.
1: Finally did it. A lot of people wanted us to meet for some reason. I know. Must
2: be be, they wanted the Beard Club. To start, and they they knew that two bearded brothers like us that both belonged in a studio like this.
1: Folks, if you guys don't know who he is, go check him out on social media at Richard Dolan. A lot of you probably do know who he is or go to richarddolan.com. You know, he's got a podcast of his own called Courageous Conversations. It's always epic. You know, he's tied in with all kinds of celebs. His history is like you're, you wonder how a guy ended up in such a beautiful spot. Mm. You know originally out of toronto canada operates out of new york city you know coach mentor author speaker uh i would say inventor confidant innovator disruptor innovator, disruptor um wealth manager mm. see like all those nope i'm a wealth manager all that's just extra stuff you bet and like you're in town because of what
2: i'm in town because that's uh the nba summer league I've got some real great opportunities cooking for um, the exiting years of LeBron James's career where uh, his chief performance advisor, his health coach, his nutrition advisor, the guy who's trained him, built him and has helped him succeed for 20 seasons. Mike Mancius and I have partnered up to create a uh, recovery clinic in honor of those 20 years, those two decades of what it means to be an all-star athlete. So we're uh, we're here to get business done.
1: So you're, you're tied into all kinds of things. Now you also have rich university. Mm. Is that basically how you get rich? Hey, listen, man, I'm so lucky that I got this name called Richard. And so to call it
2: rich, you is not just about me, but it's about you. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a LMS. It's a learning management software system. We have an online school where everything like anybody in our position, Brad, you and I, those who are coaches, mentors, trainers, who've got IP and things to share and tell people, I mean, it just, we park it there. So that we don't have to keep teaching it live and putting people in the rooms to drink coffee made at two o'clock, uh, served at seven. It's 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 a great place for people to be and access, and it's been really powerful, especially since the pandemic when when events weren't happening and and doing them together in person wasn't happening either.
1: Where were you when the pandemic broke?
2: Ironically, I was actually here in Las Vegas. Uh, I was here in Las Vegas for GrowthCon on behalf of Grant Cardone, our friend, uh, who could also be a part of the Bearded Brothers Club, too, by the way. He carries a good beard. Uh, Not as sharp as ours, but I digress. And uh, it was his GrowthCon. It was a GrowthCon, and the pandemic had already started making waves in the world. And right when it hit and it shut down Vegas, about a week thereafter, um, I'll always remember that I was actually here in in your very good city.
1: But because you're... Canadian, no?
2: That's right. Born and raised in Canada. They
1: didn't make you go back.
2: Oh heck, listen. I think I think now all these years later we just finally came out of a pandemic. Uh Canada was well, Canada's season.
1: still in one. They're of course of different degrees and they for got different a, reasons. They got a bad pandemic up there I think it's called like Trudeau or something oh like you're
2: that. close it's called rising interest rates and, and burning trees but uh, I mean that's just the beginning of it but but without digressing much more Brad I mean the reality is that Canada really handled the pandemic both poorly but longly they, they stayed in the lockdown literally for nearly two years
1: being in your business you're probably very sensitive to
2: being politically incorrect. I think that's part of the Canadian nature. I mean, I've got a father who was Ukrainian, I got a mother who's South American. So, uh, although I was born in Canada, I do identify as a Canadian, and, and we are known as the three C's, Brad. We're known as the, you know, the cheap, the conservative, and the chicken. And so, we don't want to walk those tough, tough lines, and we don't want to start having polarizing conversations amongst friends, business associates, or clients because we know how charged they can be. But, but Canada's changing. They, they've definitely gotten a little bit uh, racier and edgier with some of their political values and views.
1: So let us let me elevate the professionalism for a moment. Let's do that then. Do I drop my voice an octave? You can. Okay, let's go. When We could uh, <laughs> probably put on the headphones and sound much better. But, Likely. you know, these, ha- these headphones on make too... I know, but then you ask yourself, do I
2: want to sound great or do I want to keep my hair looking good? It's a tough question.
1: Well, I find myself with the headphones on, I find myself always coming down here and talking a little more like that. Like a you. DJ, like a night
2: DJ. Well, what I like about your setup is we're talking to each other. talking to each other so if we were talking through the headphones then we're talking for you know the ego of hearing our voices well one day
1: i said why why are we wearing these headphones because people don't like them you know do i gonna wear these you think you look worse in them so i'm like i guess you don't have to wear them the only reason i had them was to get the bomb so i told my audio guys listen i want to be able to hear the bomb without the headphones i heard that and not only that i want oh there you go i got everything controlled so i'm like we don't need no damn headphones i like that i like
2: that and by the way you look younger with the headphones off just so you know i I never thought i'd ever have the chance to tell you in person but you do look much younger without the headphones on
1: well thank you you're welcome that's funny now i i say i'm going to raise it up a smidge in professionalism so i can get some value Mm. on to the bomb squad the bomb squad's the listeners you have rich university you teach people how to get rich your book richology the seven steps to unleashing your imagination and designing a great financial life, um, plus your wealth management skills, all of these lead to your ability to show other people how to at least financially succeed. What would you have the average Joe do? What am I going to learn? What courses am I going through first? What's the most important thing Mm. about your mindset? How important is that? Listen, I mean,
2: first and foremost, I'm so grateful to the Bomb Squad. I'm grateful for their listenership and I'm just grateful to be here with you. Uh, For me, I know and knew that when I was growing up as a a high school dropout in a middle-class family, that financial future was not something that was gonna be given or granted. It had to be created and caused. And as a result, you thought to yourself, okay, great, what do you do? You make some money, you find who you think is smart, is licensed and capable of making smart money decisions for you and your financial future. So you build these financial plans and you invest in this thing called the stock market and you buy mutual funds you never know that own stocks that you've never seen in businesses you don't even understand. And then of course, five, 10, 15 years goes by and you wonder to yourself, what happened to that money I put away for all those years? What, Where did it amount to? So I began to learn that your financial life is your responsibility. Your financial life is your responsibility. So as much as there's a lot of money mentors out there and financial commentators, they're all talking about the actionability of financial life planning, as in, hey, work hard, save your money, invest, spend less. But the function of that, the actual real truth behind it is like, what do you really literally do? So you're right. I mean, the basis of my urban financial life philosophy, which I called Richology, was just my own personal devised, thinking on what I observed billionaires that I'd worked with, millionaires that I was working alongside of, um, icons, legends, and even gods of industry, as I've described to you earlier on, gods of uh, industry, commerce, sport, and, you know, industry. What would it, what, I mean, that's pretty high name oh. what, like who would be a god of industry I, I think i think drake is the god of of music yeah i, I think so that's a good one that's a good one i think there's a, it's a real possibility to say that uh, another god of, of sport could be someone along the lines of a lebron james yeah. um or I mean, michael, michael jordan or a michael jordan uh, gods of of culture of sport and of commerce isn't about being something of a religious factor it's to say that these are people who are second to none like goats goats
1: which which coincidentally the origination of the word god way you go way back goes to goad which goes way back to goat
2: and i think saying goat is less intimidating than saying god so
1: grace of all times the goat i'm talking about come out let's go there's only one of those there's only there can only be one in each category this is true what are you the goat of well,
2: if I was going to be the goat of anything, it would, it would definitely have to be in the world of, of human betterment. In the human betterment business, I think I have to be a living demonstration of what it is I teach,
1: I preach. Don't you think that's so lucky, though? That's lucky that you have to be because then you ha- then you get to go
2: live what you're preaching. Well, you, you, you choose to live as you're preaching and teaching, leading and, and talking. I mean, at the end of the day, it's easy to talk it. It's another thing to live it. I think no. the greatest way to, in fact, be a, the best version of yourself is to be a coach, is to be a speaker.
1: Well, I know you helped out Grant Cardone a, a, a bunch of ways, mm. and you're no longer in that camp.
2: I'm no longer in that camp, but I'm a huge admirer of the 10x movement. I but think I'm,
1: that, but mm-hmm. I'm surprised he's not bothering you if you're in the coaching and mentoring any kind of space, because because kind of that's what he does, and I, usually he's like, wait, that's what I do. Get yeah, I,
2: listen, if I was Grant, and I'm not, um, I mean, I ju- I'm just not Grant. But the reality is that. I don't think he sees anyone as competition and quite frankly, nor should he. he. He's, he's a brand of his own. Uh, and he's an icon of that industry.
1: Yes, he is. And so of what industry, by the way,
2: I, I would say the, uh, personal development and professional development oh, yes. industry. Oh yeah. Sure. He's
1: no, but now I, now I think he's, you know, starting to lean, lean out of it. Meaning nobody really looks at Grant Cardone anymore as a sales pro. Well, part and of there's that... there's new sales pros out there that are just like, they'll eat his lunch. Well, Grant, and, and Grant and right them... now is mm-hmm. a, industry titan in the real estate game uh possible is he by the
2: way because that's a big game isn't it that's a big game first of all you that's a loaded statement you just made brad first of all you said you call him a titan i mean you know let's not make this a debate if if he's a titan that would be great
1: isn't Um, he what i mean we have to define the word titan. what
2: would you define a titan as i mean well
1: i think grant's a titan well then great but only because you know i i've saw where he came from like dude the guy's doing extremely extremely well and, and and in in that industry i'm i'm not in that industry there might be people that like oh he's a little puppy mm. so i don't know but if you're in wealth management you probably do know
2: well again so if it depends on how you define titan if you're if you're defining titan in terms of size breadth and depth then hey maybe he might be a qualified Premi, if it were to a Titan, because I mean, I'm having breakfast this morning with a gentleman who's, you know, multi-billionaire that, that built the resort world. I mean, he's got dozens of those around the world. Is, is he a Titan? I would qualify yes. that he's likely a Titan. That's a Titan. Uh, someone who can build, but,
1: but not mm-hmm. Titan in real estate.
2: That guy I talked to this morning is a Titan in real estate, but he real can, estate. he can build and buy cities. So I think. To is what he back, considered a developer? Uh, that particular person could, but I think someone by definition, a Titan, someone who influences direction of cities and their futures, uh, in the real estate game. So not making this about grand because uh, of course, first and foremost, you know, God bless him for the work that he does. I mean, he's really represents a lot of people into what it means to put yourself at the source of your own success, to not be a little bitch, as he would say, um, to not think small uh, mediocrity is not the game plan. Uh, he's done incredible work. His team has, I mean, from Jared to Sherry, uh, to Courtney, um, and, and others in that camp have done extraordinary work. And probably the one person that's done the most and has not gotten the the notice for it is Elena Cardone. I mean, if there, if there's definitely someone who deserves uh greatest supporting actress in, in the movie called Grand Cardone, it, it'd be Elena.
1: Mm. Yeah. She's nice.
2: She's beyond nice. She's, she's capable. Uh, She's brave. She's courageous. She's 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 committed. I mean, she's, she's the ultimate testament of what resolve looks like because, you know, grants grants, the leader, and he might be in your terms, the Titan, but she's a mom and she's a wife and a leader and an author and an influencer and a boss and a boss. And so that's, I think that's something worth noting, but I mean, back to your point around Titans and, and what's happened with Grant and I, Grant, Grant and I had a lot of great times together working on his global domination plans for his licensing program. His his brand was quite rich. It was definitely out there and very valuable and uh, he needed to monetize that. He needed to mobilize that. So, so turning his brand, his reach, his level of relevancy in the marketplace into a very tangible commercially viable platform was very important and i'd done a lot of work for dragon's den shark's tank and other licensed platforms so doing that for him was not just simple it was an honor and uh and, and we did our work we we, we pulled through we 5 xed his his licensee community worldwide uh and there's not a day that goes by that i don't think about the experience or the people that we helped and um it says a lot about that 10x community
1: yeah well it's. it's uh... It's a hell of a community. It is a hell of a they, community. They've uh, they're loyal, but they're, now they're, we got now we got the Richies. What do we call the Richies? Well, listen, man, the Richies are are
2: cool. That's a, that's they're cool. You got you know you got your bomb squad, and then you got your Richies. Are we um, calling them Richies? We can call them Richies. I think Richies is cool, dude. Everybody wants to be a Richie. Hey, listen, people don't want to be poories. They they don't want to be. There's no book out there that says mastering mediocrity, Brad. I mean, there's you know there's no mediocrities, right? There's there's Richies.
1: Now, if someone were to say to you. What's the first thing I can do to, to, again, there's seven steps. Mm -hmm. What is the first step? I think the first step is really understanding what it is your life's
2: intention is. I think everything starts there. Right there is the keystone, Brad. Is is it? If you find out what your life's intention is, some people call that your life's mission, your life's purpose, your life's quest, your destiny. I mean, all these wonderful terms that people like Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Stephen Covey had really coined, but but if you understand your life's intention, what were you born with and the gifts that you've been given and have gotten and have fortified that can really light you up every day. So you never experience life like a thing to do or work to get to, but you get to do it with such joy That's the first key is finding out what your life's intention. So for example, when I did that work, I got to tell you, I got to be really frank. It was tough for me to understand that because I thought it was very, very intangible. I I wasn't, I'm not an aura guy. I wasn't an energy guy. So when someone says, what's your calling, Rich? I'm like, oh, I'm called to make money. I mean, I'm, I'm called to make money, make a difference. But when I was asked, well, how do you love feeling when you do that? What's the impact you make in the world that if you got to experience it on a repeatable, consistent basis that would leave you lit up. And I said, right there, that, that all people are lit up when I'm lit up, then I know other people are lit up. And so I live my life and I lead from that life's intention called all people are lit. So if, if I'm not lit, you won't be lit. So if I'm always lit, then I'm lighting. And that's just one example. So I think that's the first step. The first step's really understanding your life's intention. Once you get that dialed in, everything else follows suit.
1: Do you help people like me come up with my own IP? In other words, like, you know, a lot of people say, "Brad, you should be coaching, you should be mentoring, you mm-hmm. should be doing all this." But I always say, "Listen, I don't I don't have the programs." Like, you know, do I have the stuff up here? Yes. But, like, I don't bullshit people at all. So, if, like, you came to me and you said, Brad, you have a coaching program I could join? I'd be thinking, well, what can I teach you, bro? You already know the shit. Like, what? But in reality, if you create some IP, some curriculum, I could say, well, you know, Richard, if I could just, you know, have three weeks to show you this, you know, then I'd take your money. Mm. So how do you, like, do you help people build their IP, their programs, their courses? Well,
2: you know that in that beautiful green room of yours as we got to know each other, one of the challenges that you had, and I witnessed it, and I see it always, where as as an investment banker by training, as a wealth management student as I am, as someone who studied um, human behaviors, behavioral finance, happiness economics, investor resilience, topics I've taught on and I've been published in. What's interesting is that understanding how business works and humans' relationship to those businesses was something I just immersed myself in very thoroughly. And I have to say, with some prowess, why that's important is that when I would meet celebrities, when I whether they were an NBA basketball star who's just about to hit retirement, uh, whether they're an actor that that thinks they've done their last and final film of their career because they've just like had it with Hollywood, a musician that doesn't feel like they've got that gift anymore, or they don't have people powerfully moved by their music any longer, whatever it might be. And they're not quite clear on what's next. I was really good and remain powerfully at causing and creating futures for people. And, and what it was about was really understanding first what their life intention was, but more importantly, finding out where the commercial viability of what they've got left could still be extrapolated and monetized further. So in your case, in, 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 in as you asked me, if we were to sit down and I really got to know your gifts, your skills, your abilities, but also what the market wanted, what your fans wanted, what the bomb squad wanted, what what your followers and faithful and friends wanted, and we were able to curate out of your IP what it was that we can deliver, then that becomes a very cool commercial collaboration of ours. That's
1: what I can do. And that's what I've done. Yeah, well then let's, let's collaborate. Then we should do that. Yeah, 100% yeah. we should do that. Oh, dude, trust me, man. If you could walk in and say, hey, poof, and all of a sudden, I'm a, I'm a, not slick, but as cool as you. Oh, come on now. You ready to rock and roll? Listen,
2: I can't promise everything now, you know?
1: But I like, but I like, you know, like you're lit. That's, that's IP. 100%. You know, the way you explain things, that's IP. And I think, I think people, you know, draw towards me for one reason. You know, they know that I'm going to tell the way it is, Mm. you know? And I think that's the trust that, Uh. that connects. And so they're like, You know, they may not want to learn how to get rich from me, even though I could teach them, but they do trust who I say they should get, they should learn from.
2: Now you just hit the nail on the head. When you talk about trust, you understand there's four dimensions of trust. And now for all those who are listening, this is important, especially if you're a dad, if you're a wife, if you're a mom or a dad uh, with several kids or none of your kids, even if you're someone who has employees or you're employed or you're a leader like Brad, Trust has four dimensions. Brad, this is big. The reason why you need to understand four dimensions is because sometimes when we say the word trust, it's like if someone breaks your trust, all is lost. But understanding the four dimensions gives you access to the various dimensions that makes it up. Let me share. The first dimension, which you have, is that you're competent. So the first requirement, the first dimension of trust is competence. There's no doubting that you're a capable, competent guy. Or someone like a Grant Cardone is, as we talked about quite lengthily about, or myself in certain domains of expertise. When you demonstrate competence, you have the skill set and the ability to deliver expertise on a topic. The second dimension, though, is reliability. You are as reliable as a Swiss kept clock. I mean, that's the truth you're consistent, you deliver value. And every time people tune in, I just shared this with you when we are in the green room, watching your posts, I can always count on your posts being a value. I mean that. So when you're reliable and you're competent, there's a lot of trust. But the other, the third dimension is truth. Very rare have I ever heard anybody say, that Brad, he ain't truthful. And when people detect lies- You said rarely rarely yeah that rarely. you've heard it well i'm leaving Coo. the i'm Coo. leaving the window open i'm leaving oh, the window open I'm just le- in case just in case yeah just in, i'm keeping you on notice I, I,
1: you're very politically correct as well well
2: i'm also an opportunist i want to keep the i want to keep the dialogue open so truth though brad check this out did you just open loop me i did that was an open loop and you're welcome so back to me <laughs> truth 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 are facts right truth are facts not fantasy but like you know if you're going to show up on time That's a reliability issue. But if you said you're gonna show up on time and you come back and you say you weren't going to, then that's a truthful issue. But there's a fourth and here it comes. This is the greatest gift I can give you in the time that we've got together. The fourth dimension, it's a non-trainable one, is heart. When people know you've got heart and Brad, you've got it, you know you do, you've got heart, you care, genuinely care about people. When people know that you care, they don't care what you know. And that fourth dimension is a tough one because what can happen is that there's a breakdown in a relationship, you can ask yourself now. Well, hold on a second. Were they competent? Was it a matter of their competence, or was it a matter of they just didn't show up on time, or or was it were they just downright distruthful, or or don't they care? I had a horrible renovator that did great work. He was super competent, but never showed up on time. Didn't get the work done like he said he would, right? And and I got to tell you something. It made me question was he a truthful person. But the one thing I can never ever ever discount that guy cared. He did things that I. A renovator just wouldn't typically do. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So rather than saying, I don't trust this person because he's not on time, not on schedule, not on budget. I can say, look, I know you care, right? I know sometimes you make it and sometimes you don't. I know you're skillful because look at what you built, but you're not showing up on time. And that makes me wonder, are you truthful with me? So can we handle that before we lose all trust? So when you have four dimensions, you can access the conversation in various ways to fix it, correct it. If not, reestablish
1: it. Makes sense. Makes makes sense to me. Yeah, man. The question is, does it make sense to you? Mm. But if you if it doesn't, hit rewind, fool. Listen to that again. Makes perfect sense. So so what's your favorite, like out of all your accomplishments, what's your favorite, most prideful accomplishment? Listen, man, I'm going to break my
2: own rule. Um, it's a cardinal rule, but I got to break it because you got me present to it. It's, it's, it's definitely my son. My son's my my definite greatest accomplishment. I mean, what wonderful way to take a look at who you are by means of seeing how your children show up in the world. And so uh, without getting into too much detail, he's a 16-year-old boy, so I'll, I'll leave him to be both private and, and keep his life personal. But to me, that would be my immediate answer. My immediate answer is to see what kind of— That means you're pretty proud of him. 100%. Hundred percent, for sure, and and you give yourself a little. "Ah, That's right, I did that. Well, it's a little bit of a sigh of relief too. It's like, phew, you know, we made it. I mean, you know,
1: sixteen years later, he's not. He could he could have went sideways too, though. Oh, listen. And by the way, I wouldn't judge it because sometimes a lot of people are, are are quick to judge parents because of the kids. It's not always the it's not always the parents.
2: No, it's not. And, just, and by the way, when you're talking about people and their kids, uh, since we're talking about that, th- there's no room for judgment of any human being. These these opportunities are merely self assessment opportunities. He <laughs> should run for president, shouldn't he? But you get what I'm saying, though, Brad. Like I mean, at the end of the you day, are if like, someone says, are like I, 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 don't, "I don't want you to judge me." There's no right you've got. But I'm, let me take this opportunity to say, where did I go wrong, and what could have I course corrected, and what can I now reestablish or recreate with my son or daughter if things are off track? It's Listen man, we, we are the authors of our only book and the only person that really gives a shit about it is us. So if we're the only ones writing it and we're the only ones that are really reading it, why should we care about who is judging it? It doesn't matter. Their judgment means nothing and there's zero impact nor gravity that it has in those conversations.
1: Hey, you know, speaking of our beards, back to you you have a little gray in yours as well. Yeah, I see plenty. A little gray in here. Yes, You know, indeed. I'm fortunate my gray's just coming in, so again like it it, it you're 49 49 your age i didn't have hardly any but here it comes how come you see people out there coloring their hair i think are they insecure do they not realize that people it's not fooling anybody or do they genuinely think that the hair color matters i i think look
2: man uh, lululemon changed it all i mean they they made poor butts look great and belly guts go gone i mean at the end of the day we're living in an age of vanity my friend so so
1: so you so you believe Silver foxes in.
2: I I believe, first of all, I'm a huge advocate for anything silver.
1: There's no such thing as gray.
2: Well, silver is a precious metal. Gray is just a color. So I mean, let's keep let's keep semantics aside. You get what I'm saying. But truth be told, I mean, we're in the age of vanity. So if we don't do things that are gonna make you feel good, feel happy, feel empowered, then then when would you? I mean, there's a very definitive period of time in your life when you should feel great, feel young, feel invincible. Well, I was thinking
1: about, you know, getting rid of the grays. Let's see what it looks like. You you
2: you have grays.
1: I got gray's. Why haven't you?
2: Well, first of all, that's a great assumption that you're making. That I've not made any attempts of any kind to to well, dampen you, the silver. How would and, you
1: if there's if there's gray?
2: Well, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't devise these secrets of both beauty and, and and the preservation of ego. But all kidding aside, listen, Brad. I mean, if you if you want to dye your hair, you can. But I think right now, what people need to do is own their wisdom, and wisdom comes with years. And at the end of the day, we should wear these silvers like they're badges of honor, really, because it's taken time, effort, energy, loss, victories, triumphs, letdowns to get to that color. So I think it's all perspective. If we shift the perspective, you might shift the view of how it's valuable. Um, When you had nothing to talk about, nothing to look forward to, yeah, gray looks tired. It starts feeling old. And all of a sudden, you start wondering about retirement and wondering where you should be heading off to. So it's all just perspective. And I think if we shift that, then we can shift how we view things.
1: That's a bomb right there. Perspective. I try to tell people all the time, like perspectives, literally the secret sauce. There could be two people in same situation, one happy, one upset, Mm. same situation. How is it possible that one's happy and one's upset? Totally.
2: But look, look at just recently in your country where there's this incredible floodwaters, historical highs, there's this one reporter, ABC News, reports down in this one little town right there in Vermont and uh, pulled over a man and said, Sir, how, how, how are you guys keeping, how are you managing with these incredible stormwaters? He goes, gosh, I don't know how we're going to do it. We've been devastated. Hundreds of years of progress in our city is now gone, vanished, just annihilated. Don't know where we're going to begin. Don't even know how normal is going to come back. She walks down the street, finds another man, and he's just cleaning up stuff. She goes, Sir, how are you making out during these flood times? And He goes, oh, this is a fantastic time. I've met neighbors I've never known before, and I've known neighbors forever, and we're now fucking stronger than ever. Pardon my language, but that's what he said, and they bleeped him out, so I hope you bleep me out there, too. We don't bleep. But he was on fire. He was lit. He was this community came together. We're going to reinvent our town. We're going to put in a practice on how we deal with floodwaters going forward because they ain't going to stop. And and I'm excited that this town will get stronger as a result of this devastating natural disaster. Same incident, two different perspectives. And the question becomes, which perspective is more empowering? The one that robs you of your self-expression and the ability to move on and forge forward or the one that's going to empower you and those around you to say, you know what, this is okay. Look at who we've become because of it. And I think that if anyone were to look at perspective as a conversation piece, Brad, is you just ask yourself, you know, really and ultimately, anybody you admire, look up to, and wish to emulate have likely gone through some real tough things. And if they haven't, then you likely wouldn't admire
1: them. So so, how do you develop a perspective of abundance and opportunity?
2: Oh, brother, it's easy, man. Whatever you're committed to, your body will follow. Whatever you're committed to, your body will follow. And a lot of people just on a daily basis just don't know what they're committed to. Like, like when people start diets. Well, think about it, man. And this, this, this machine up here has been perfecting only one act over 3 million years. One. Only one. That's to survive. That's it. Not, not to be happy, not to be content, not to be exciting, motivated, inspired, or inspiring, just one act. And when you think about three million years of just perfecting that one act, everything else is generated. So you wanna wake up inspired, you wanna wake up going out there and going for a run, a jog, or going to the gym like you do, or Mike Tyson works out, then that's all a generative act. Because whatever you're committed to, your body will follow. So when people realize that you've gotta generate commitment, you've gotta generate choice, that is all a self-authorship act. And when you do that and not lean on anyone else to do that for you, then you start getting to the source of results rather than chasing them. You want to be at the source of the results, not chasing them.
1: So let me ask you a question. Sure. Now, there's like obviously seven steps, but they can buy the book if they want to keep going down that road. Well, it's free. It's even better.
2: It's free. What do you mean? Well, Richology is free. It's at my website, richarddolan.com. So you can go there and
1: pick it up for free. Well, that's nice of you. Well, that's a bomb. Huh? That's a bomb. Why is this free oh, I bomb. the bombs free too. bombs was, is, was designed to make people pay attention. So I'll, I'll give it a bomb. So they should pay attention free dude free. Cause I always tell people, listen, if you want to change what you're getting, change what you're doing. Mm. If you, if you want to change what you're doing, you have to change what you believe because mm. you have to, if you want to change what you believe you need new information because you can't change your beliefs with the same information. Not weird. So you just got to get new information and it's in that book. Now, People listen to your podcast. What are they going to listen to? Well, the podcast that I've been running for a number of years was called
2: The Courageous Conversation because it was born out of the pandemic. So I don't know if you knew the story, but um, when we were in lockdown, like you couldn't even go out. You barely could go for a walk. And so what I began to do is called up friends of mine that were authors and speakers, celebrities and icons and said, hey, how are you doing? How are you making out in this this pandemic? And I interviewed people like Grant and Elena, and also Mike Tyson, and the late, um, uh, oh my goodness, his name just, uh, Larry David? What do you mean the late Larry David? Go, Larry King, my apologies. Let me I was going to say,
1: shit, Larry David I know, that, oh man, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to hear
2: from Larry David's office now saying you, you just you just killed him in off that. in a show. No, I, I meant uh, Larry King, the Larry beloved King. Larry King and, and others, Marlon Wayans. Was, I just reached out to everybody that I knew and said, hey, everyone's in lockdown and we're going to pour ourselves a drink. Either it's a glass of tea, a nice tea or a Arnold Palmer and um, just hear how you're doing. Let's have a courageous conversation, how you're coping. So that's where courageous conversation started. Courageous conversation started by interviewing the Tony Hawks and the David Hasselhoffs of the world to say, hey, h- how are you doing? H- how are you making out during these real tough, odd, bizarre times? So the the, the show continues i'll probably do an interview maybe a month now uh but but we're looking forward to recalibrating it and bringing it back
0: thanks for tuning into courageous conversations with richard dolan we're on all the major podcast platforms and we appreciate your support by reviewing us you can follow our show at the rich world on many social media channels We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode and remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.